All right, greetings to all of our campuses. We are so glad you are here. You know, we believe that when we gather together like this for worship, God loves to hang out here with us. Um, that he loves to pour his mercy, his power, his, his healing, his love into our lives. We as a church long to experience him in these ways. And we long for others to experience this as well and to experience him as well. This is a crucial part of our vision. We want anyone who attends here to have a great experience, to feel welcomed, to feel valued, to feel loved by God. And this begins by being able to find a parking space, right? And it includes having a great children's ministry and our ushers and greeters and hospitality team and cafe workers and prayer team and worship team and tech team. Every one of these ministries is a crucial part of helping make this a great experience for anyone who attends Christ's community. Now, here's the deal. The only way this can happen is if everyone who attends Christ's community is willing to serve once a month on some ministry team. Right now, we have a need of volunteers in every area of ministry, including about 50 volunteers, 50 volunteers to launch a new parking ministry at 15th Street. We all know what parking's like, right? So if you are not serving on any ministry team at our weekend services, would you consider doing so? We, 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 uh, we, we need each and every one of us, teenagers to retirees and everyone in between. We need everyone on a team. Now, now here's the benefit to you. One, serving keeps our hearts from stagnating and getting self-focused, right? Two, serving on a team provides a great way to meet and connect with people. And three, serving enables you to feel a part of what God is doing at Christ's community instead of just spectating. And the cool thing is you're here anyway, right, attending church. Why not get on a once-a-month rotation to serve others in some way, helping make this a great experience for anyone who attends? So if you're willing to serve in some way, take out one of the welcome cards in front of you or in your packet, put your name on it, contact info, and write serve on the back side, and then mention the area that you want to serve in. There are six main areas to choose from. Tiny Tots, our preschool, uh, Kids Connection, Worship Arts, Prayer, Hospitality, or Parking. Just write one of those, and you can place that in the basket on the, by the doors as you leave today. Or you can also go on our website, and there's an I Want to Serve banner. You can follow the instructions there. Let, let's all be a part of making our worship service is a great experience for anyone who attends and everyone who attends. And for those of you who are already serving, thank you. Thank you for, for serving. Okay, if you have your Bible or iPad or smartphone or whatever, feel free to turn to Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 38. We're in the midst of a teaching series entitled Jesus Unexpected. In this series, we're walking through the book of Luke, which is a well-researched, detailed account of Jesus' life and ministry. And our goal in this series is to see Jesus for who he really is. Not the stereotypes, not, not, not the opinions of well-meaning people we know. We, we, we just want to see him afresh. Because we believe that when we see Jesus for who he really is, our lives get impacted by him in significant ways. And we all want that, right? We, we all want that. Now today, we're going to see up close um, one of the primary ministries of Jesus, and that is his ministry of healing, his ministry of healing. Now, now I realize that this is an area that can make some of us a bit uncomfortable, 
Perhaps we envision some wacko faith healer on TV, or perhaps we've been promised healing by people and then nothing happens. So we may feel a bit skeptical or hesitant. I get that. I totally get that. But I want you to know, I want you to know that you can relax. You can relax about this subject. As we're going to see, Jesus' ministry of healing is not wacko, nor is it manipulative. It is life-giving, and we can learn a lot about healing from the passage that we're going to be looking at. So let's look at Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 38. I'll read this. You can follow along. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Messiah. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to him where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, or also, because that's why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Now jumping, we're going to jump to chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. This is God's word. Okay, the, these two passages I just read are a goldmine in terms of us learning how to grow in Jesus' ministry of healing. So let's unpack this subject and unpack these verses by asking three critical questions of the text. First question, why did Jesus heal the sick? Why did Jesus heal the sick? This is a really important question that has huge implications for us today. Why did Jesus heal people? We see in this passage two primary reasons Jesus healed people. First, his healing power was a demonstration of the kingdom of God being present. Not only was he talking about the reality of the kingdom and the good news of the gospel, he was also demonstrating that reality by healing people. It's one thing to hear a message about the kingdom of God being present. It's another thing to actually see God's kingdom driving back disease. Now what's fascinating is that in Luke 9 and 10, when Jesus begins to send out his followers to be a part of proclaiming this message of the kingdom, guess what he tells them to do? First to the 12 disciples, Luke 9 verse 2, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Notice the dual ministry, proclaim the good news and heal the sick, proclamation and demonstration. Then in Luke chapter 10, he sends out 72 disciples and he says to them, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. See, notice, this is not just how Jesus does ministry, it's how he wants his followers to do ministry. Proclaim the good news 
and heal the sick. So healing is a vital part of how the kingdom of God is to advance. It's not just about information being communicated, sharing the good news with people. It is also about demonstration, people seeing firsthand God's power. This is so, this is so foreign to many of us in the West. See, we tend to think about evangelism strictly in terms of proclamation. Share the good news. Sharing the good news with people, which is important. But we tend to minimize or completely ignore the demonstration part of the gospel. Now, when I talk to our ministry partners, and we have lots of them around the world in Africa or the Middle East, um, they will readily acknowledge how often people there come to Christ because of a healing or a supernatural vision. This is everyday stuff for them. When I was in Thailand a couple of years ago at a denominational conference there, I met a, just a godly man, a pastor um, from India, a guy named Wilson Berea. And he has an amazing story of this kind of demonstration of the gospel. Um, here's Wilson telling this story. Some children were playing on the fourth floor and somebody pushed one, one young boy. That boy fell down. He dashed his head on that ground. His parents immediately ran and the big crowd was gathered. The doctor was called for and doctor came and examined his body and declared that this boy is dead. This big commotion, somebody told the parents of that boy, we heard there is a one sister, and she prays to her God, and her God does some mighty works, many miracles. And so the whole crowd marched towards that home where the sister was staying. Now she was living in a small house, her door was closed, and she was in prayer, and she heard there is a big commotion with noise in front of her door. And she said, what is going on? And even before she thinks and gets up, somebody pushed the door open, and the father carried the body of that dead boy. She laid his body on her lap. And uh, he said, pray to your God. I want my son back. And outside, there are more than 2,000 people uh, waiting, seeing what is going to happen. Now, this sister, God has used to do some healing ministry, but she has never prayed for any dead man, dead person. And then she said, let me pray. And when she was praying in spirit, a word came to her memory from the book of Hebrew that God gave the dead back to him. And she immediately claimed that promise that God, if this, this dead boy can come to life, what a great testimony it can create. And then by faith, uh, she started praying. As she was praying, she felt some trembling uh, under her head. She was feeling something is, that body is something shivering like that. So she opened her eyes to see what is happening. So when, when she opened her eyes to see that boy, that boy was looking at her. And 
the boy immediately jumped, stood up on his feet, and the crowd, 50 people, and those 2,000 waiting were just overwhelmed by what people saw. And then she stood up and said, do you know what has happened? Then she shared the gospel with this crowd of 2,000 people. Many people gave their life to Jesus there and there, and their testimony spread like a wildfire in the neighboring region, and many, many people believed because of the, this, this miracle. And because of that, the, in, just in a week, 700 people came to know Jesus Christ. And there are churches that were established because of that miracle. And God used Sister Sarla for that particular event. I mean, isn't that awesome? I mean, it's so cool how this demonstration of healing brought hundreds of people to Christ. So, so we see that Jesus healed people and he heals people today as a way of demonstrating the reality of God's kingdom. But there's another reason Jesus heals, and it's vividly revealed for us in the Luke 5 passage we read a moment ago, where a man with leprosy came up to Jesus. Leprosy was a very contagious, horrible skin condition. Anyone who had leprosy was quarantined. They couldn't live in their own home. They had no contact with people, including their children or spouse. In fact, they had to shout unclean whenever they would go out in public so that, that people would avoid them. So this man hadn't had any physical contact with another human being for years. He was emotionally and physically alone, isolated, untouchable, as leprosy covered his body. So what did Jesus do in response? He touched him. I mean, this was unheard of. Jesus actually touched the skin of this leper. And then said, I am willing, be clean. And the man was healed immediately. What we see here is Jesus' heart of compassion toward the sick and the hurting. Right? His ministry of healing was not simply about demonstrating his kingdom and his power. No, it was also an expression of his compassion for hurting people. Jesus healed because he cared for people. He wanted to alleviate their pain, their suffering. See, this is another reason why we are to pray for the sick. It's an expression of compassion and care. Even if people are not healed when we pray, they do feel loved by us. Healing prayer is a wonderful way to communicate God's heart of compassion and to possibly open the door for his power. Now, a pastor friend of mine teaches his congregation to utilize what he calls um, seven simple words that can open a door for kingdom ministry. Seven simple words. Here are the words. Can I pray for you right now? In fact, why don't you say those words? Let's all say those words together, okay? Can I pray for you right now? See how easy that is, right? No, notice it's not, hey, I'll pray for you, and then we forget to. No, the words right now are critical. We pray right then and there for them. I've prayed for healing for people on airplanes, in airports, in parking lots, in grocery store aisles, on driveways, in our neighborhood. These seven words are a simple and yet specific way to minister to people who are hurting around us. Can I pray for you right now? 
very rarely will anyone refuse this. And again, it opens a door. It opens the door for the very things we've been talking about, demonstrating compassion and the possibility that God might say yes and heal them, a demonstration of his power. Which leads to the second question. How did Jesus heal the sick? How did Jesus heal the sick? There are a number of unexpected and yet very practical things that we learn from looking at what Jesus does in this passage. For instance, what happens with Simon's mother-in-law here? We're told in verse 38 that she was suffering from a high fever and they asked Jesus to help her. And this is what we read. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever and it left her. This is the first healing that Luke mentions in his account. And notice what's healed. A fever. A fever. I mean, th this is not what we would expect. We expect Jesus' healing encounters to be big things, right? Someone who can't walk or someone who can't see. But he heals this woman of a high fever. What does this tell us? It tells us that we can and should be praying for any physical ailment. A lot of times, we only pray for healing. We only use healing prayer for serious things, right? Life-threatening things. And we certainly should pray for healing for those things. But why don't we pray for healing for littler things? When our child has a cold. When our friend has a headache. When a coworker has back pain. When our spouse sprains an ankle. I mean, often we don't even think about praying for healing for these these littler things. We grab the medicine, right? We make a doctor's appointment, all of which is totally fine. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying we shouldn't use medicine or seek medical help. My question is, why don't we instinctively pray for healing for these things as well? In fact, this is a great way to learn how to pray for the sick, to grow in this ministry. When, you, when, you're, when you're just learning to ski, you don't immediately start skiing black diamonds, right? You, when, when you ski, you start with green, the bunny slope maybe, but then the, the green slopes and then blue and then eventually black, right? Black slopes, the more difficult slopes. Healing prayer is something we can grow in. It, it's something we can learn how to be more effective at. And a great way to do this is to start praying for these everyday kinds of things, for colds, for headaches, for the flu. Now, another unexpected thing that we see here is that Jesus didn't, he, he didn't actually pray for Simon's mother-in-law to be healed. He didn't intercede for this, Lord, heal this woman. No, no, no. Luke says that Jesus rebuked the fever and it left her. He rebuked the fever. This is the same word used to describe what Jesus did with demons when he confronted them. We talked about that last week. But this word speaks of authority. Jesus recognized the authority he has over, over all sickness. And so he basically commanded it to leave. He spoke directly to the illness. In a similar way, in the episode we read with the leper in chapter 5, Jesus says, be clean. And the man is healed. What this tells us is that Jesus often used his authority when ministering to sick people. And he did that by commanding the illness to leave. Now, granted, this is Jesus. I get that. This is Jesus. But remember, he has delegated this authority to us. In Luke 9, verse 1, we read, 
when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases. That was the 12. The next chapter, Luke 10, he sends out 72 followers. We don't even know their names. They're not of the 12, but he sends them out as well with the same kind of mission, the same kind of ministry. See, Jesus is not interested in keeping this authority to himself. He delegates it to us as his followers. I mean, think about that. Do we have any idea the spiritual resources that are ours in Christ? We are children of the King of Kings. We are his beloved sons and daughters. We have been raised with Christ. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. And we have been given the authority of Jesus. We've been given his authority. I mean, authority is like, you know, it's, it's the badge that a, a policeman or woman wears, right? The issue is not whether they have the physical strength to... To, to move us to Jesus. It's, it's the authority that they have been delegated. And because of that, when they say stop, we stop. It's authority. And the Bible is telling us this, this kind of authority Jesus operated in, he's then delegated that authority to us. So what does this mean, this authority thing? What does this mean in terms of praying for healing? It means that when we're praying for healing, I think we need to practice praying with this kind of authority when we pray for people. Sometimes when I pray for someone for healing, I will just ask the Lord to heal. Um, but lately, I've, I've been trying more frequently to try to pray with authority, with this authority, speaking directly to the condition and commanding it to leave. Now, I'll admit, this felt really weird um, the first few times. Um, it still maybe feels a little bit weird. But, you know, I, I didn't want to sound like some of those the faith healers on TV, you know what I mean? I had all these bad sort of ideas about this, these perceptions about that. But, but what I'm learning is there is a way to do this without the fanfare, without making a big deal about it. For instance, if I'm praying for someone for can with cancer, I will pray for healing. So I'll ask the Spirit to fill their body, to, to remove cancer cells. I'll, I'll do all of that. But then I also... In the midst of this prayer time, I also will include in my prayer something like, in the name of Jesus, in the authority of Jesus, I command you, cancer, leave this body. We take authority over you in the name of Jesus. Leave. See, for me, it's a, again, it, it's just it's something learning. And, and the reason we're doing it is because of Scripture. This is not my own stuff. This is what we see Jesus doing. So for me, it's a combination. When I'm praying for people, I'm learning. I'm trying to pray this combination of, of prayer, intercession for this person, and also authority. And again, I'm, I'm just trying to learn from Jesus the way he trained his followers to do this. We use Jesus' example for all sorts of other things. Why would we not use his example in terms of how he prayed for sick people? Okay, another thing we notice here uh, about how Jesus prayed for the sick is that sometimes he laid his hands on the person that he was praying for. Luke says in verse 40 of chapter 4, At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Laying his hands on each one. There is something powerful about touch. About touch. 
For one thing, it provides a real connection with this person. It can communicate care and compassion, as we saw earlier with the, the, in Luke 5, the, the man with leprosy. So touch can be very, very healing just in and of itself, right? But it also, it also at times can, can become sort of a, a conduit for the Spirit's power. And I know this sounds a bit weird, but, but I've seen it over and over again, how sometimes when I'm on a prayer team and someone maybe lays a hands on a person, another person, the, the person who's praying, sometimes that person begins to feel their hands getting hot or whatever. They, they begin to sense this spiritual power that is, that is flowing through them. So again, this, this idea of laying on of hands, it's, it's biblical. We're, we're commanded to do this in, 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 uh, in, in the book of James and, and uh, James 5. And then um, um, th- 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 this idea here, we see Jesus laying hands on people. This is, this is biblical. Jesus laid his hands on those he was praying for. So again, why wouldn't we follow his example in this? Now, obviously, we need to ask for permission before we do this, um, if it's okay to do this. And if it's on a part of the body that you don't feel comfortable doing this on, sometimes you can have the person place their hand there. So if it's a woman who's pregnant and maybe you don't feel, you know, you're, you're a guy, you don't feel like, you know, just comfortable doing that, you can ask her to put her hand there. And, and uh, maybe you can put her hand on, your hand on her hand or whatever. You've got to be sensitive to the situation. Um, but, but if the person is okay with it, I encourage us to do this. Do this when possible, when we're praying for someone to, to lay hands on them. Okay, so we've talked about why Jesus healed. It's a demonstration of his, his power, and it was a, a demonstration of compassion, expression of his heart. And we talked about how Jesus healed, some of the things we just mentioned. Third question, what does genuine faith look like? This is always the $64,000 question when talking about healings, right? What role does faith play in healing, and how much faith is enough? I mean, elsewhere in the Gospels, Jesus frequently talks about the importance of faith in healing, right? According to your faith, be it unto you. Whoever has faith uh, the size of a mustard seed can say to this mountain, you know, move from here to there, and it will move. So there's no question that faith is important. But what does this kind of faith look like? There are some who, who I feel have turned faith into this manipulative tool to get God to do what we want. You know, it's kind of this name it, claim it approach to healing where we're encouraged to, to demand that God heal because Jesus healed all who came to him. Now, there are several problems, in my perspective, several problems with that view of faith. One is that it doesn't take into account the sovereign purposes of God. For instance, we read in, in the book of Galatians, chapter 4, verse 13, Paul says, As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. God sovereignly used an illness in Paul's life to get him to Galatia so he could preach the gospel there. See, we don't know God's ways. We don't know his plans. My wife and I, uh, along with dozens dozens of other people, have been praying for years for healing for our 14-year-old son, Joshua. I mean, hundreds of people are praying for Joshua. We've had him in prayer sessions, prayer meetings, all sorts of places. If healing was simply a matter of faith, Josh would have been healed long ago. But he hasn't been. Even though that is still our prayer, we look back, and it is, and it continues to be our prayer. We look back and we see all these amazing relational connections that have happened 
because of Joshua's disability. I mean, we have met so many people in this community. <laughs> and it, it, it's, just, it's been cool just because of his disability. And then all the people who have been touched by Joshua because of his, his disability. Had he been instantly healed at birth, none of these connections, none of this ministry would have happened. So again, our faith, our faith has to include trust in the sovereign purposes of God. Another problem with, with faith um, be, becoming this, this kind of name it, claim it demand on God is what happens if the person's not healed, right? If we're guaranteeing, God's word says everyone who prays is healed, you just have enough faith, and the person is not healed, what do you do with that? I mean, the only conclusion you can draw is that they didn't have enough faith, which leads to all sorts of unhealthy places. God doesn't love me, condemnation, trying to psych ourselves up, you know, trying to find the formula, all those things. So in, in the case of the leper in chapter 5, we see a really powerful picture of faith. He comes to Jesus. Remember, he comes to Jesus and says, verse 12, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If you are willing, you can make me clean. I love this. I love this. Notice, this man is absolutely convinced that Jesus can do this. But he is not certain that Jesus will do this. But he, he knows he can. He knows that Jesus has the power to. He's just not certain if he will do it. And I think this is an important element of faith. Bef before we pray for anyone, we need to ask ourselves, before we pray, we can just stop and do this quickly or we can kind of think about it, but before we pray for healing, I think we need to ask ourselves, do I really believe that God can do this? Before I'm going to ask for this, do I really believe, do I believe God really can heal this person right now? <laughs> that their spine would be straightened, that this disease would leave. Do I really believe God can do that, that he can remove cancer, that he can heal these migraines, whatever? Do we really believe he can do this? I think we need to honestly ask that. Sometimes we may need to just wait a moment in, in prayer, silent prayer, until this kind of faith begins to rise in our hearts where we know God, our God, can do this. Or perhaps, sometimes I've done this in, in healing prayer times, we'll just read a scripture to the group before we pray for a person, just a scripture, maybe from Luke 5 or Luke 4, where Jesus is healing, just reminding us of Jesus' power to heal. Or, you know, whatever it takes, we, we, need, to, we need to pray in faith, right? We want to pray in faith, believing that God can heal. And then we take that faith and we just, we ask him to do that. Not demanding, but we ask boldly, right? We can ask boldly. And then we leave the results in his hands. See, here's the deal about faith. Our faith has to be big enough to believe that God can heal this person and big enough to trust him if he doesn't heal them right then. It's got to be big enough for both of those. That's what, I believe, that's what genuine faith looks like. Believing God can do this and asking for that and also trusting him if he doesn't. Trusting his sovereign purposes. There is no formula here for this stuff. There is no formula. Pray in this way, just do this, claim this promise and guarantee. There, there are no, there's no formula. Healing prayer is a huge mystery to me. 
It is a huge mystery to me. Why sometimes God responds to prayer with, with, with miraculous healing, immediate healing, and yet other times he doesn't. We pray for years and years, and he doesn't. I don't understand it. <laughs> and it can get discouraging. It can get discouraging. Now, now I will say, it's, it's not only a mystery, it's also complex. I just want to make a side comment here because I think it's important to realize that a lot, our bodies are just, we are complex beings. We may have a physical issue going on, but that physical issue could be tied into something emotional going on. Unforgiveness. Maybe we haven't forgiven someone, and we keep praying for healing, but the reason we're not experiencing healing is because we have some unforgiveness we're harboring towards someone. And so, again, I think we need to be really discerning when we pr if we pray for healing and nothing happens. We need to not just to automatically assume, well, God must not want me healed. We need to continue to um, seek the Lord and try to discern. Maybe there's something else going on here. Maybe there's an emotional issue going on, some wound from my past. And when that gets healed, emotionally, suddenly, the headaches leave or my insomnia goes away. So, again... This is a mystery, and it's a complex area that we, that we just need discernment from the Lord. We need wisdom from the Lord. But again, we need to ask. <laughs> we need to ask. I do not want, I, mean, I, I can get discouraged. I can get discouraged praying for people, um, and why aren't they healed? And, but I don't, I don't want to stop asking. I don't want us to stop believing and stop praying, because I know that that so often happens. To all of us here, right, we pray for a dear friend of ours, right? Let's say we're just praying for this friend to be healed, and they're not. So as we watch them die, our faith in God's ability to heal just kind of dies right along with them. I, I totally get that. I, I totally get that. I have had numerous faith struggles over why someone isn't healed. But here's the deal. That doesn't change his word. Right? Th those experiences do not change his word. That doesn't at all change the fact that Jesus healed people. And he commanded us to continue this ministry. So let's not give up. Let's not lose heart. Let, let's keep growing in this. Let's keep praying for healing. And finally, <laughs> and this is, I think this is really important. Let's make sure that if we do experience healing, we tell the story. We tell the story. We let our friends know. We let the church know. The stories we read in, here in Luke chapter 4, chapter 5, and there are other places as well, these stories, when we read them, what do they do? They stir our faith. When we watch a video like we just watched, what, what does that do? It stirs our faith, right? It stirs our faith. And the same thing can be true with the stories that happen here in our body. So if God touches you today, we're going to have a prayer time in a little bit. If God touches you in some way, or in another prayer time with a team or whatever, or however it happens, please let us know. We, we need to hear stories and be reminded that God is alive and that he heals people. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Okay, so let, let's pray together. So Holy Spirit, thank you for your word. Thank you for these passages where we see you, Jesus, healing people of fever and, and all sorts of diseases. Thank you for that. Thank you for your word that then we see in Luke 9 and 10 that you send out the 12 and then you send out the 72, your followers, to do the same thing. We, we see this continuing in the book of Acts. We, we see the church being involved in this. 
So Lord, we thank you that, that, that Acts is not a book of history. And Luke is not just a book of history. It's showing us what you continue to do, what you can continue to do in our lives. And so we pray for that. We pray for that. Holy Spirit, that you would come and you would be stirring our faith. Stirring our faith to believe that you, God, you can heal. And you want us to pray for the sick. We know that to be the case. And so we want to grow in this together as a congregation, as a church. We want to grow in this. We want to grow as just compassionate people, your followers, ministering in compassion. So we ask you to come, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, bring healing and life here. Okay, here's what I want us to do. We, we've done this before, and we're going to do this at, at both of our campuses here. But um, I, I want everyone to stand, if you would. We're gonna, I want everyone to stand. If you're able to stand, if you're in a wheelchair, that's okay. I'll, I'll give some specific directions in just a moment. But if you're able to stand, go ahead and stand. And here's what we're going to do. We, wanna, we would just want to pray as a body. We want to pray for people for healing. And so in just a moment, if there are any of you wanting prayer for healing, we're going to do a really, something really simple. All you will need to do in just a moment, you'll just sit down where you are. We won't ask you what your condition is. We won't ask what's going on. We won't embarrass you in any way. It's kind of a step of faith for you to say, okay, God, this feels a little awkward, but that's okay. I really want to be prayed for. I really want to ask for healing. I want people to ask for healing for me. And so you sit down. Now, I want to encourage us. It doesn't have to be this huge disease, okay? Um, just kind of what we talked about. It could be something that you have not even thought about receiving prayer for. In fact, something that's been on my heart as I was praying for the service, one is just um, breathing issues, so allergy kinds of issues. Another was circulation issues, so maybe it's a neuropathy thing, maybe it's just something with regard to circulation. I just had a sense too, maybe of spine kind of issues, headaches related to spine or those kinds of things. Um, so, those were the few of the things that came to my mind. Not that that's all-encompassing. But if God is, uh, there may be some condition that you're, you've just had and you've just kind of accepted, well, I guess I'm just going to have this the rest of my life. Whatever it is, why not ask God to heal? And why not have us as a church just pray for that over you? So that's what we're going to do. Um, so if that, if that describes you, um, if you would just sit down, sit down where you are. Again, we're not going to embarrass you. Just sit down where you are right now. Just wait a moment for that to happen. If you're in a wheelchair and you want to receive prayer, just raise your hand so we kind of know that, that you're wanting to receive prayer for that. So go ahead and sit down. Anyone? Anyone else want to sit down and receive prayer? Okay. Now here's what we get to do. We're going to go look around you and just look at the people, anyone who is seated nearby and just move towards that person. We're going to do what Jesus did. We're going to lay our hands on them, and we're going to believe together and ask God to heal. So go ahead and move towards those folks if you would, if you're able to, if they're close enough. And if, if no one's close to you, that's fine. We're, we need you to pray, pray, okay? So we're going to all be joining our prayers in just a moment. So as you get around these folks, feel free to pray out loud if you want to, but you don't have to pray out loud. You can pray silently, but we are asking God to touch them and to heal them 
okay? And I'm going to be praying too, so we can kind of join our prayers. I'm going to just be praying kind of over us here for healing. So before we pray, I just want us to quietly stop for a moment and just in our heart, I just want to ask this question. Do we believe God can heal this person right now? Do we believe our God is able to do that? That Jesus is still at work in this world? Okay, Lord, we believe this. And so we are asking right now, Lord, we are joining our prayers, we're joining our faith, and we are asking you to heal. Holy Spirit, come in power. These people have, have sat down just saying, I want to receive prayer, and I thank you, Lord, for their faith and their courage to do that. And we ask you to pour out your spirit now. We pray for healing. We are, we are praying for healing, for pain gone in the name of Jesus, disease, cancer gone in Jesus' name. We pray circulation to be fully functioning, Lord, in a normal way, for feeling to return to feet, feeling to return to hands, Lord, we pray for spines to be aligned the way they're supposed to be, God, that, that, that back pain would be gone, that headaches would be gone, Lord, that you would touch these bodies. And we speak to these places of pain. We speak to these joints and command them to be healed now, to be surrendered to the authority of Jesus, the healing power of Jesus. We pray for full range of motion and movement for joints and muscles. We pray pain gone in the name of Jesus. We pray for peace to fill these folks, Lord. You would bring healing. You would bring life. You would bring encouragement, Lord. Headaches, migraines gone in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray for healing. And God, if there is something else going on here, if there is maybe an emotional tie, if there's something else going on, I pray for these folks just to have discernment about that and to explore that at some point later on, just to explore that. If there's someone they need to forgive, if there's something going on from a wound in the past, that they would experience your healing there emotionally and then physical healing would come from that. And so we pray over these folks we pray for your healing. We cut off any oppression of the enemy in Jesus' name. We just pray life upon them now, healing upon them now, peace, freedom from pain, encouragement. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to pray for them. And now we pray your protection over them, God. Your healing upon them, even if it's just beginning now, that you would continue your healing work, bringing strength to them and life to them, Lord, and joy and, and, and encouragement to them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, why don't we all stand, stand if you would. And you can go back to your seats. Thank you, church, for just being a part of this. And for those of you who are prayed for, let me just, you can just kind of assess what's going on this week. But please, if, if you feel like something happened, if God touched you if, in, in some specific way, please email the church, call the church, let us know, email me or whatever. We want to hear the stories so we can share them. And, and, and be encouraged in that. So now we're going to enter into a time of worship, just continuing to respond to the Lord. So we pray, Holy Spirit, you would continue to be poured out. You would continue to pour out healing in this place. Jesus, you are here with us. We thank you for that. Set us free to worship you, Lord. God, we love you, God. We love you.